intermittent fasting. Harmful? Good for you? Will you lose weight? This is our discussion today on Healthy Harmony. Welcome to Healthy Harmony, where we help you clarify and discuss health tactics to harmonize your life. I am your host and health coach, Jennifer Pickett, and today my guest is Heath Gallimore. Heath is 41 years old and he is from Melissa, Texas. He's been married to his wife, Stacy for 22 years, and they have three sons that age in range from 22 to age 17. He studied computer science at Texas A&M University and has a bachelor's degree in computer science from UT Dallas. Heath has been working as a software engineer for Texas Instruments for 16 years. He's very active in his church, serving as an elder, and his main interests are sailing, exercise, teaching, and studying theology. He spends most of his free time reading. So here's what's really cool about that. Heath has uh, had some health setbacks, and he put uh, that strength to good use and did a lot of reading and studying. So I'm excited to hear about Heath's journey today. Heath is a dear friend of mine. Heath, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, Jennifer. I'm glad to glad to be sharing. Um, I'm really excited about this. Um, you know, I interview health experts, but I think what's most powerful is when we have discussions uh, with individuals and we're like, okay, what did you experience? What did you learn? And how are you your own best advocate? So we're talking about a big, huge subject today, intermittent fasting. I'm curious, what frustrations have you experienced on your health journey? Well, uh, a lot, actually. Um, you know, I started really being concerned about my weight and health kind of in my late 20s. I got married early in life, and so I had a lot of stresses early on with kids and being in, even in my mid-20s, uh, gaining weight and things like that. And so by the time I was about 27, I had already, you know, put on a lot of extra weight um, from the time I had been married. And um, I guess it just continued to kind of steamroll on me until I was, you know, mid-30s. I was, you know, easily 25 pounds overweight all the time. And um, it was just, you know, it was miserable. And I, it, you know, probably about seven years ago is when I really kind of set out to figure out how to lose weight and keep it off. And, and so I let me let me stop you there. You knew you were carrying around some extra weight, but um, what effect did that have on your everyday life? How did that make you feel from a physical health perspective? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so I mean, you know, it feels really miserable. You have you know uh, problems sleeping and uh, just problems. You know, you get winded walking upstairs and. Um, you know, it had just numerous effects. Uh, I mean, you know, 25 pounds wasn't the worst that it had been. You know, I, I'd gotten up to as much as 40, 45 pounds overweight. And that, when you get that much overweight, just things you would never even think about. Like, um, for one, you know, my face had gotten so big that my eyelashes had started to turn in and scratch my eyes. And that's like... <laughs> My you know, goodness. Things like that, you just never, you never hear about. You don't even know, but that's exactly, I mean, that's just a byproduct of being overweight all the time. It's just little things, they start to add up. It's like death by a thousand cuts, and it's just really frustrating. Uh, none of your clothes fit, and you're always having to, um, you know, just make excuses for things, and, you know, you just, you don't feel good about yourself at all. I mean, every time you look in the mirror, it's just like, uh, I just feel like a failure. Oh, goodness. <clears throat> 
So tell me, did that have an effect on your performance at work as an engineer? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, um, if you don't feel confident, you know, when you're trying to speak to people that you don't know or, you know, give a presentation or when you're traveling and it, it, I think it really shows, you know, when you walk in a room with people and you feel shame about yourself or, you know, you just, you, people can tell that you just, you're not confident. You don't exude confidence and you're not smiling because you don't feel good. And, um, I think it really does affect your performance in a lot of ways, especially in the workplace. Um, I think it just, I think it just gives people a bad vibe, you know, but they just, you know, they can see that things aren't going so well for you and they just, you know, it's it's not the it's not the energy you want to sort of give out to people that you're, you know, especially when you're making first impressions. So, do you think people could sense that you were struggling? Uh, I think so. Yeah, uh, especially my family. Um, you know, people that were close to me would always ask me, you know, how's it going? You know, what do you, what have you been trying lately? You know, they could tell I was not happy. You know, and they and they were honestly trying to, you know, do their part and, uh, you know, spur me on. Um, but, uh, you know, for the most part, people just kind of, I think people that don't really, really know you well, just kind of ignore it. And, you know, you, you get little, uh, I, I don't know, little subtle hints that things aren't right, you know, or, or the, the way that they, you, know, you might overhear somebody say something about you with it, you know, and that, that just makes it worse. You know? Oh, goodness. Um, so uh, you're a software engineer for Texas Instruments. Obviously, you have to be on on top of your game. I mean, this is a very mentally demanding job that you have. Mm-hmm. So did you find that, that uh, there were certain aspects of your job that was difficult to perform? Did you notice anything? Um, was there like any kind of brain fog or uh, mm-hmm. did you deal with any kind of lack of mental clarity? Like, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think I've always, when it comes down to like the, uh, you know, just doing my actual job and the work part of it, uh, not the relationships and things like that. I've always done pretty well um, just because I, I'm uh, I'm real good at sort of blocking everything else out and just focusing on one thing. But I could still see effects there. Uh, I mean, just fatigue mostly. Uh, sure. You know, fatigue from uh, not getting enough sleep or just, you know, the mental battles that sort of uh, mind share that is taken over by all the things that are going wrong, um, you know, outside of work, this sort of weighs on you. And so that, I'm sure it took a toll on me. I don't know, you know, I can't really quantify that. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell now that, you know, that I've made life changes and things that I'm definitely more, I definitely have more clarity uh, when I'm solving problems or, you know, when I'm thinking through how things should work, I'm not distracted as easily. Um, so That's I think, fantastic. You know, mm-hmm. Let me ask you about, um, as you were going through, because I know this continued for some time with this extra weight, mm-hmm. how did it affect your personal relationships at home? Um, well, you know, the biggest relationship, you know, me and my wife, um, she's always been super supportive of me, you know, and been very uh, positive towards me no matter what. You know, she's real good about the whole, you know, through uh, thick and thin and uh, for good or you know, better or worse. Um, but I think it still had an effect there, even though, you know, obviously she cared about me and was, you know, trying to help me wherever possible. I could tell that, um, you know, it just, it has a little, uh, I think it detracts, you know, it definitely takes away. There's, there's times when you want to do things like 
sporadically want to go out to dinner or a movie or whatever and and then there's just problems like when you have extra weight it's like well i don't have anything to wear and i don't you know i don't want to wear that and you don't feel good and so then that kind of feeds to the spouse and then they're like well let's just not you know it's just kind of well let's just not go do anything and or you know it's just the things that you would normally do and not think twice about that just small little things would sure. just weigh you down you know so do you think that it really, you know, I think some folks would look at this and say, hey, it's it's just some extra weight. Like, that's just part of life. Mm-hmm. It, it Surely it can affect all these areas of life. But you found something quite different, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I think it affected me in pretty much every area. Um, I mean, just the mental, I talked earlier about the mental battle, just the uh, sort of being down on yourself, sort of feeling like a failure, and then uh, there's the, you know, physical battle, obviously, that, you know, you're winded when you walk upstairs to, you know, talk to your kids or tuck them in at night. And, um, you know, just even spiritual things like you're trying to be a teacher and a, you know, leader of people and you don't exude confidence and you, you feel like a, a hypocrite because you can't really control what you're eating or, you know, how much weight you have. And it's kind of like, why are you teaching me if you, you know, if you have this big issue in your life, which, you know, it's, it's always that, um, you know, it it seems like the people who teach should have their things together and should understand some things, you know, be able to have self-control, you know, for one thing. And I think people that are constantly overweight, it just tells people that they don't have self-control, you know, even if it's, you know, for whatever reason, that's just, that's kind of the impression that you give to people. And I would agree with you. I think there's that prevailing thought that this is just about willpower. It's just about self-control. But it's interesting how you refer to uh, that this truly affected all areas of your life, including your your leadership at church, as you have taught. And and obviously we have we have been involved in the same church. I've gotten to be a part of that um, and to, to see you on this health journey. But it's interesting to think that uh, that this could hold you back when it comes to teaching and leading others because you just feel like you're being a hypocrite. That's a really, that's a very strong statement that you feel like this really held you back from really being all you could be in those responsibilities. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So what was it that really prompted you to investigate further what prompted you to say okay enough is enough i'm tired of struggling um and i'm tired of of people looking at me and kind of judging me and thinking i don't have self-control um uh so i want us to explore that actually before we go any further um that that whole aspect of willpower and self-control is there more to this is there more to weight loss than just exercising willpower what do you think about that statement um, yeah, definitely. There's there's a lot more to it. Um, I, I think, you know, of all of the people that I know, uh, when it comes to willpower and being sort of extreme with things, I, I'm, I'm pretty high up on the list. Like, if I make my mind up to do something, I'm, I'm pretty much going to do it. And it would be very hard to talk me out of it. Um, and so I had tried many different things. Like I said, I kind of alluded to about seven years back, I had started, I had set out to lose weight. And I think the key thing was just, you know, enough, enough. I don't remember exactly what the straw was that broke the camel's back or whatever, but 
there was something that pushed me over to the edge where I was like, okay, I'm, I think it might've been when I was, um, you know, when I finally hit like 220 on the scale, you know, 220 pounds on the scale. And I had, you know, gotten married at 175. And I, when I hit that weight and knew that I'm not going the right way, I'm, I'm about to, it's about to blow up in my face. I got to do something. And so, you know, I set out to do, to just see if I could fix it. And, you know, I tried the Atkins diet. I tried low calorie diets. I tried eating five, six times a day. I tried, I tried pretty much anything I could get hold of. And you've uh, had all the things that are out there, all the things, right? right? Yep. And, uh, you know, all those things, because I am just a disciplined person and, you know, because I set out to do it and go strong and hard and all that, I just, I had some success. And so I was able to lose weight quickly, uh, which is always really good. You know, if you're trying to lose weight, if you lose weight quickly, it's really good feedback and you can keep going, you know, you get motivated. But the problem was no matter which diet I had picked or, you know, which kind of meal plan I was on, um, after about three months, four months, you know, my body would do pretty much what everybody's body does, you know, kind of plateau out regardless of what you're doing and then sort of slowly start gaining the weight back. And that's just a really, that's a really hard place to be when you know you're, you're not messing up, but your body's sort of like getting used to what you were doing and definitely uh, going back to sort of its set point, you know, and that is just really frustrating. And, you know, that happened to me three or four different times. And I think the last time that happened to me, probably five years ago, I had I had been on this, you know, five meals a day, really restricted calorie diet, almost less than 1,200 calories a day for oh, months. Wow. Yeah, it was a, the toughest thing I had ever done. That is extreme, yeah. Yeah, it was super extreme, and I lost a lot of weight, but it wasn't maintainable. I mean, you just can't you can't eat like that forever. And, you, right. I, you know, never having a piece of birthday cake, never having a piece of pizza, never doing, I mean, never being able to celebrate with anybody was just... Uh, it's a nightmare. You know, it's just, you don't want to live like that. And so anytime you'd have a bad day or a two bad days in a row, you set yourself back almost a month and it's, that is super frustrating. So that, that verbalization of uh, frustration, I've heard that from so many clients, you know, we do have a a very strong diet mentality uh, Mm -hmm. in our culture. You know, I'll start Monday, I'm going to do this low calorie diet, or I'm going to do this diet that my friend is doing because he or she lost weight. And then we do that thing and we start it. And then inevitably we stop it because life happens and there's a holiday or a birthday party or whatever that might be. And then uh, the weight comes back and it is devastating. And typically the weight invites some friends. So we're packing on even more pounds than what we had previously lost. And that disheartens us to such a degree so what made you shift from this kind of low-calorie diet mentality mm-hmm. the, um, to trying something that is a little bit controversial? Um, so what did you try, and, and yeah. how did you find out about it? Um, yeah, great question. Um, and I, I would just reiterate what you just said, is that a lot of people try this, and they get down the road, and then life happens, and you know the weight comes back. And it, it was exactly what I experienced, and it didn't just come back. You know, the set point I had had was about 205. And then every time I would try something new and the weight come back, it would be five pounds more, 10 pounds more. Um, so, I, you know, like I said, I got up to, you know, my highest, probably 220, 225, something like that, which was easily almost 50 pounds overweight, 45, 50 pounds overweight. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's pushing on obesity where you're really, 
you know, getting into that place where you're talking about type two diabetes with your doctor and things like that is getting really scary. Um, and so I think just that along with the frustration of the f multiple failures is what I perceive them to be. Uh, you know, now that I look back on it, I don't really consider them failures. I consider them steps in a journey. You know, you have to sort of experience it and fail a little bit so that you can do something else and learn. That's interesting. Um, but, yeah. So you look at failure almost as a learning experience yep. more than anything mm -hmm. else. Yeah. But, uh, but at the time, you know, they were definite failures in my opinion. And, um, you know, I was really frustrated. I, I happened to be, um, I was invited on a fishing trip with some friends um, that I go to probably every other year or every third year. And uh, I was with a friend where we were hiking up a mountain in Colorado to, to do some fly fishing. And I, I just couldn't make it up the hill. I mean, I was really struggling. It wasn't hot that day or anything. I was just so out of shape and so overweight that I couldn't fish. And so, uh, you know, I, I just kind of... I bet yeah. that was embarrassing. Just... It was. It was embarrassing. And it was, um, you know, we, we had to end up, you know, fishing somewhere else and where we knew, you know, we knew where we should have been fishing and, and I just couldn't get there that day. And so my friend, you know... He's a great guy, and um, he saw my frustration, and we just kind of sat down. He he took a minute, and we just talked about it, and uh, he, I could tell he had lost some weight recently, um, probably about 30 pounds uh, from his normal um, self, and I just asked him, I was like, so what are you what are you doing? What are you trying that's, that's different? And he told me about this. He didn't really tell me that much, actually. He just kind of piqued my interest a little bit. He told me about this sort of 16-8, lean gains uh, method where okay. he was eating in this sort of eight hour window. And I was like, that's interesting. I never heard, I'd never heard of anything like that. Um, I, I was just, it had piqued my interest enough to, to investigate. And he told me that he had read a book, um, this book called the obesity code by Dr. Jason Fung. Yeah. Very and, good book. Uh, yeah. And he said that it had really helped him lose weight. And he, um, he was still eating kind of the foods that he wanted to eat, but he was just restricted the timing of it. And I just thought that was a totally different way to think. And so I was... And so what is that method called? I want to make sure that mm -hmm. folks who are not familiar with this mm -hmm. kind of know what this is called. Yeah. So the 16-8 method, I think it's pretty well known as the lean gains method. Um, I believe it's named after the guy who, you know, coined it or, you know, set that up. Um, so it's a person's name, uh, but he put that 16-8 uh, sort of schedule together as sort of a first step in intermittent fasting, which is really, when you think about it, it's basically just skipping breakfast is is the is the right way to interpret that. <laughs> if you skip breakfast, you're you're not gonna eat 12 hours to 12 hours, you know, 12 hours of eating and 12 hours of fasting like a typical person would. You're gonna you're gonna extend that fasting time to about 16 hours, and you're gonna try to eat just lunch and dinner within eight hours of time. That's um, uh, so it's very interesting. So I want to clarify for the folks out there. Uh, as we throw out some numbers, uh, what we're looking at is, a, is an eating window. And so uh, when he refers to a 16-8, that is fasting, going without anything to eat for 16 hours, and that's overnight, and we extend that, and then uh, and then timing your meals to a, an eight-hour eating window. Um, and so that is kind of restricting the body and only eating during that window. Uh, so I know for me as a dietitian, if you had told me, uh, hey, Jennifer, one day you're going to be on a podcast talking about intermittent fasting and incur encouraging people to skip breakfast, I would have been like, no, there's no way. Um, so let me ask you, Heath, 
is this scientifically sound? Like, give me, you have a researcher brain for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go with this from an, an engineer perspective. Right. So mm-hmm. is this scientifically sound? Is it safe? Yeah. Um, oh, great question. And you hit the nail on the head there. That uh, That's the way I think. Uh, I really want to see things that are you know, scientific and I want to get feedback as an engineer. That's how engineering works. You, you put some stimulus in and you look for feedback and then you adjust to get the, the results you want. And so uh, if it's not a scientific approach, I really struggle with it. Like, okay, I'm, I feel like I'm, you know, trying something. I'm just kind of spraying in the wind and there's no feedback. So I can't really, you know, determine whether I'm success or failure. But, but something about this book, I, I got it immediately after I talked to my friend when I was on the, actually I ordered it when I was on the plane on the way back. And, um, you know, I looked at the first half of the book is basically going through the science, going through the science of how people actually gain weight. And most of it was actually dispelling the bad science that was out there, which was really good for me because those are all the things that I had walked through. So everything. Now what would that, you say the bad science yeah. is? Well, things like, you know, uh, just that everything's about caloric intake, calories in versus calories out, and this whole sort of eat less, move more mentality. Um, sort of a bad model of how the body uh, uses energy and stores energy. Um, and it has been something that everyone has, at the time, it sort of accepted, a widely accepted model that just, quite frankly, doesn't work. And It's been touted uh, for literally years yeah. and years on right. end, this whole mentality of uh, it's just about calories in versus mm-hmm. calories out. All you have to do mm-hmm. is eat less and move more. Um, And I think it finds people to uh, be very frustrated because when that doesn't play out, Mm -hmm. um, they they assume that it's just them, that everyone else is having success and it must be just them. Mm -hmm. They don't have the willpower. They don't have the motivation. (laughs) Um, And so I think we find ourselves frustrated and Mm -hmm. um, uh, and devastated from a health standpoint because we just continue to gain um, so what was it about that book that was so appealing to you that got your attention and that then like prompted you to make some changes and implement some of these strategies? Yep. yep. Um, well, first of all, the book, that particular book, there's other books too. Um, the Complete Guide to Fasting by Dr. Jason Fung and Jimmy Moore, which really is a more of a, uh, it's a kind of a follow-up book that talks about more of the implementation of how you might do intermittent fasting. But the the, the sort of Bible of intermittent fasting, as far as I can tell, is this obesity code book, which is really, like I said, about half the book, just the science behind why calories in, calories out doesn't work and how it's been proven over and over again that it doesn't work, but that the scientists and the government and all the people that regulate things, uh, they're so ingrained and they've got it so, you know, in their mind that this is the way that it works, that they just refuse to accept the science and they kind of make their own numbers up or or show what they want to show. And, you know, that's the thing about this book is, I mean, Dr. Fung is, he doesn't hold any punches back and he just literally tears their their science apart and just destroys it over and over again. I I ended up reading the book about four times because there was so much information. I got the audio book. I, you know, you go through it once or twice, you can't, you, you sort of glean what you can, but um, until you go through it and really study what he's talking about, there's so many key ideas. Every chapter is a key idea that is 
something completely new that you'd never would think was true. Um, and so I think, you know, spending the time and really investing in it and taking one idea at a time and really trying to figure out what does this mean? And, you know, how, how, how was I wrong before? How can I change one thing to, you know, just to see, let's test this. You know, if this idea is right, then, you know, does it work? And I think some of the things he puts in there, like, I mean, he gives very short um, examples. Like he says, you know, I can make anybody fat. Let me inject you with insulin and you will gain mm. weight no matter what you eat. Or he says things like, why is there no, um, you know, why is there no reunion show for the biggest loser? There's never going to be one because everybody gets the weight back. They regain the yeah. weight. I, yeah. And what I heard you, what I am hearing you saying is I just hear that determination that you mm. truly threw yourself into researching this wholeheartedly. You didn't mm. just read the book once. You read it through four times mm -hmm. and then really looked at that science because you're not a health expert. You're not a physician. You're not a no. nurse. You're not a dietitian or a health coach. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you're just an individual who was frustrated. Um, but you took that uh, that proactive mentality and really dug into the research. Mm -hmm. So uh, in, in your research, um, what did you find are the biggest benefits? What are the biggest benefits to um, intermittent fasting? Mm -hmm. Well, um, I mean, as far as like the research is, I, and I, I can't speak to much of that. I, I can speak to what I've experienced myself. Um, that would be you know, great. Yeah. You know, tell me uh, what, you, what benefits yeah, you experience uh -huh. from this. Yeah. So the first thing, as I can say, it definitely works. Um, I, you know, lost, was able to lose 40 pounds. Uh, today I've, I've been on it for probably about 16 months. I've lost 40 pounds and, and most of that, that weight was amazing. lost. Amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. So I lost that weight probably most of it within the first three months, which was typical of my weight loss endeavors in the past, but I've been able to keep it off with no issue for 16 months now. And so that by itself was enough. That, you know. that speaks volumes, right? Right, right. But, you know, that was just the beginning. Um, so I really, once I saw that it was, it was good for maintenance, the maintenance phase that I could never sort of solve, um, I, I sort of integrated into my life and made it sort of a life change. And, um, you know, I lost so much weight that I actually lost a shoe size, a whole shoe size. <laughs> So, oh, that's crazy. I didn't, I didn't ever think you could, that could happen, but, uh, my old cowboy boots didn't fit anymore. So I had to, I had to get some new ones. Yeah, so that's not, weight not loss a half on size, a, a whole size. A whole yeah. size. That's weight loss yeah. on a whole nother level. That you is. know, you're making a lot of good when you're losing it everywhere. Yeah, right. And so just the whole, the whole concept of feasting and fasting together so that now I can participate without fear or shame in any kind of social event. I mean, yesterday I was at your house eating yeah. like crazy. And I know that in two more days, I'm going to be right back to where I was on Friday with no issue because I can just not eat for two days. And that's that's how it goes. It's hand in hand. It's, it's sort of a balance. Uh, and so when I see things like that, when I saw things in balance and how I can still do the things that I want to have in life and and still get the things that I want, it, it just made sense. And... Uh, you know, another thing I'll say is it's super convenient. I don't have to chop any vegetables. I don't have to pack any food. There's no containers. There's no going out of my way to stay on this plan. Uh, I just, I've sort of moved to the extreme version of it. So now that I'm only eating basically one meal a day, 
uh, it makes it super easy. I mean, it's the most convenient thing I've ever done. I, I don't have to worry about food all day. I come home and eat dinner. And because I'm only eating and preparing that one meal, I can really spend the time to do it right. I can eat healthy with no problem for one meal a day. I mean, anybody can do that. Cook, I really cook, use whole food, not eating grab and go things are not a problem for me anymore okay. because I'm, I'm not trying to fill this little calorie gap, you know? So in the past, you know, you're eating five meals a day, you're either going to be chopping a lot of vegetables every morning or you got to have grab and go food. And that, you know, one of his key ideas is that anything that's been processed, that sort of the poison is in the processing. And that's where most of the issues coming from. Um, so that, that's been eliminated for me. I, I don't have to worry about processed food anymore. And I would really agree with that statement. I think we have uh, completely underestimated the impact of processed foods mm-hmm. on our body. It's just so widely accepted. And so many of these processed foods are marketed as being healthy. They exactly. have these key words on there that exactly. just kind of draw us yep. in and lead us to believe that, hey, it's fine for me. We give it to our, you know, we buy it for ourselves. We give it to our children, you know, and we're being fooled into thinking that this is okay. This is acceptable, but it's the preservatives. It's Mm -hmm. the chemicals. It's the flavor enhancers that are wrecking our health. Mm -hmm. So I love how not only are you employing the intermittent fasting, but you're also really sticking to whole foods. Um, So what other kind of good habits have you picked up along the way that have been very beneficial to you? Yeah. So, um, I mean, just lots of other things. I mean, like, because, because it's so convenient and because it uses so much less time for me now, uh, I'm able to do other things with that time that I would have been eating or preparing food. Uh, I'm able to get to the gym at lunch instead of eating now. And so I've been working out maybe three days a week. Uh, those workouts have been better than ever because, uh, training in a fasted state, I have more, I mean, he speaks about it in his book and it it took me a long time to really dig into that and figure out what are the benefits there. But, uh, you have more, you have a higher HDH level when you're in a fasted state. So your growth hormone is active. Um, you're, you're, you're not. HDH uh, is human growth hormone, correct? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Just wanted to clarify that. Those are the things that, you know, like these big star bodybuilders inject themselves with to gain massive amounts of muscle, but that's obviously not healthy for them because they're using synthetic hormones. Um, But if your body produces it itself, there's nothing synthetic about it. Uh, Your body automatically will produce up to five times its normal HGH level after just 24 hours of fasting um, to sort of help you maintain your muscle mass while you're not getting food from calories. And so if you can take advantage of that at the gym um, and you can see, you know, gains, uh, I mean, in those 16 months that I've been doing this and working out three times a day, I told you I lost about 40 pounds of fat, but I also was able to put on nine more, just a little over nine pounds of lean mass. That's so, amazing. Now, three times a day or three times a week? Three, I'm sorry, three times a week. Yeah, three times <laughs> we were a week. all like, so, wait a minute, don't you have yeah, to work? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's only, uh, you know, I only have an hour lunch break. So uh, it's about an hour, hour a day, three days a week. And uh, that's more... Uh, muscle mass than I put on in any other diet or any other exercise routine I've ever been able to do. And I attribute it to those, you know, to that hormone. Um, And also just, uh, I feel like you have a a different, it's it's not, uh, I'm not spending a lot of time doing cardio in my workouts. Uh, That I would say would probably be a lot harder to do 
if you haven't been eating carbs and you haven't uh, got a lot of calories in your system, but just lifting and um, doing those things, I feel like I feel like I can train harder and more uh, focused when I'm in a fasted state. So that's a great uh, thing. The other, you know, the other benefits include you know it's super cheap. If you're not eating, you're not spending money. So that's I, a very good point. Yeah, very good I, point. Yes. I saved about 75% of the money I was spending on health food every week uh, on protein shakes and supplements. Uh, I think I was spending roughly $130 a week. Um, now I'm spending under 40 to, oh, to, to feed myself. Um, that's a big cost savings. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it released me from sort of this food fix is what I call it, which again, is just the mind share of I don't have to think about food. It's it's just gone. I, I'm Do not you hungry. feel that you were kind of obsessed and, and fixated on food? Yeah, I think whenever I was dieting in the past, um, I was always thinking about, oh, my next meal's coming up. What am I going to eat? Or did I pack my stuff? Or is this the right thing to eat? Or, you know, I was just, there's just things, you know, you're thinking about, well, what are we going to eat for lunch? You know, all that's sort of gone. And I, I, Very don't, overwhelming. I don't get the hunger pains or the, uh, I just okay, I don't even, that was my next yeah. question I can almost feel uh -huh. the listeners uh, asking this question as mm -hmm. we discuss this do you get hungry he, do you get hungry I do get hungry and I I kind of understand what real hunger is like now because uh, you know I've I've mostly fast for you know uh, roughly 24 hours is my typical fast you know eating one meal a day it's 20 22 to 24 hours of fasting window, but occasionally, and there's various reasons why, but I'll do an extended fast. And so up to three days, um, especially if I was really rough on myself over the weekend, like I was at your house the other day, <laughs> um, just eating, you know, cake and uh, having a lot of high fructose things and, you know, just enjoying a social event uh, and without fear and no shame, you know, then, so I, I might uh, fast for three days after that. And so I will get hungry when it's my normal time to eat, which is about 4.30 in the afternoon uh, is when I start to get hungry. And then okay. I'm eating usually at 5.30 by the time I get home and have cooked whatever I'm going to cook. Or a lot of times I don't even have to cook. I'll just, um, I'll eat a lot of fresh food that I've picked up. You know, I'll make a salad with various things and avocado and a lot of mixed nuts and things like that where I don't, I don't even have to cook. And so that even makes it more convenient and but yeah, I, I, definitely, I definitely get hungry. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think that makes people feel a little bit better. And I do find it interesting um, that sometimes we can curb hunger simply by um, drinking some water. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times our body is getting, is sending out some confusing signals. We think we're so hungry, um, but actually we're thirsty. We have not, uh, we're not adequately hydrated. So I know that's a little mm -hmm. trick that I use sometimes to mm -hmm. kind of get me through. Yep. Um uh, I've heard you discuss before, and I, and I think it's such a great point that we want to make on this as we kind of wrap this up, is um, if you have uh, done your fasting window and you're about to enter into your eating window, mm -hmm. is there something specific that you do to break that fast to kind of minimize the mm -hmm. effect on your on your blood sugar? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so great question. Um, and I think most of what I do is related to what I you know, the ideas that I got out of that book, uh, The Obesity Code. And, you know, one of the things that he points to is that before the obesity crisis, which happened in about 1977, 1978 is where it began. Um, 
the diet of the basic American was about 60% fat, about 30% protein, and only about 10% carbs. And so I try to model my meals after that. And so I'll try to hit as much fat as possible early in the eating window. So I'll hit, you know, a full avocado, um, which is, you know, probably what, 400 calories, uh, just almost, I don't know if it's 50% fat, but it's, it's a great deal of fat right there. It's and just then, a good, yeah. healthy fat, yep. a good, healthy fat. That, and then a big old handful of, uh, mixed nuts, not peanuts, but, uh, cashews and, um, hazelnuts and, you know, true nuts, um, not legumes, I guess. And so I'll hit that, which is a lot of fat. I'll, I'll be drinking water. Um, I drink coffee throughout the day. And if I am going to skip dinner, I'll usually drink tea, like a flavored tea or something like that. Just to, like you said, you know, you want to fill up on as much liquid as possible to sort of curb the, the hunger. Uh, I, I wouldn't really call it a hunger pain. It's sort of a, your body is telling you you're hungry, but it's not really pain. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, you, we have a lot. A lot, we can go a lot further than we think we can on uh, on not eating. And so I'd think, you know, it took me a while to get used to that. I, I didn't go into this you know, eating one meal a day. It took me, I had to work up to that, of course, obviously over weeks. But, um, but yeah, so I'll hit those fats first. Uh, I I do eat dairy, so I'll, I'll eat a big hunk of cheddar cheese or something. And then uh, after that, I'll typically make a salad with whatever fresh, you know, I'll try to pick up fresh salad ingredients probably every other day from the grocery store. It's on the way home from work. And so I'll hit that, um, make a salad, throw some pieces of chicken on it, uh, some feta cheese and uh, a lot of olive oil and vinegar. So one of the other key ideas in the book is that if you want to protect yourself from an insulin spike, there's two real protectors and that is vinegar and fiber. And so as much fiber as you can get and as much vinegar uh, I would say, you know, at least a teaspoon of vinegar in your meal really help curb the spike uh, as much as 40% less spike the next morning. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. And I love like what all you've gleaned just from your own personal research. And guys, this is why I wanted you to hear from, from Heath, not a health expert, but just a real guy with real results who decided to be his own best health advocate and really kind of got sick and tired of being sick and tired and overweight. So took it into his own hands to do something about it and kind of ditched that diet mentality and decided to um, to start this new idea, which is still like pretty controversial. You know, we can ask any doctor, uh, any other health expert, just any other health expert, and you're going to get all kinds of different opinions. But what I love most about this is that, Heath, you found what worked for you mm-hmm. and it has continued to work. I love the fact that you don't have that diet mentality. Cannot thank you enough for joining us today. This is such a hot topic. We could probably go on for two more hours, right? For sure. Yep. Um, well, I know uh, some folks might have questions for you. They might want to reach out to you. So where can they connect with you, Heath? Um, so probably the best way is, uh, either Instagram or Facebook, uh, social media. I, you can follow me. You can just look me up on Facebook. It's just Heath Gallimore. Um, I'm probably the only Heath Gallimore in Melissa, Texas. I'm pretty sure you'll find (laughs) me that way. Um, Instagram, I'm, uh, Heath underscore man, M-A-N. Um, you know, that's, I connect with a lot of my students that way, uh, through Instagram. And then, uh, other than that, probably just email 
uh, Heath at TI.com. It's pretty easy. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Heath, thank you so very much. I appreciate your, your openness and your honesty and just providing some additional insight and education on a very interesting hot topic, this whole topic of intermittent fasting. Guys, also remember to subscribe to us on your favorite platform of choice. You can like us on Facebook, on Instagram, at Inspire Healthy Harmony. And guess what? You can also join in the hotly debated topic uh, in our discussion group uh, on that Facebook group where we discuss intermittent fasting. Um, so you can weigh in with your personal opinion. You can also check us out at InspireHealthyHarmony.com. So until we meet again, I hope you have a great day. Bye, y'all.